This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I stepped into God. How many of you guys just stepped into that encounter with God? Okay, come on. Yay, awesome. How many of you guys feel a little freer tonight? Am I on? Yay, okay. I'm no longer dead. I used to be dead, but now I'm alive. Come on. Can I get a hallelujah? Hallelujah means to praise, but specifically to praise God. So I just, I love God so much. I love him so much that, that literally I was worshiping. Can we just give a hand to the band? Like, I just love their hearts, you know? Had nothing to do with them, but everything to do with God and, and the Holy Spirit. And, and our hearts is just, we talk every time, but our hearts is for you guys to have an encounter, for God's children to have an encounter with their father. <sighs> So just, just bow your heads again, close your eyes real quick. I, I, just for us, just, just, so, just so we can worship God after hours. How many of you guys got a chance to just see God face to face or feel Jesus face to face? Just raise, just raise your middle, uh, not your middle finger, raise your index finger. I'm sorry, raise your index finger. Raise your index finger. Oh, okay, good stuff. Yay, come on. Yay, yay, index finger. Thank you guys for not raising your middle finger. That's, that's good. If you guys did, I would just be offended and leave. No, I'm just playing. Man, I just love you guys so much. Woo! Okay, so the, the secret place place, uh, the secret place place came from, I, I, was, I was just remembering, I was just remembering after I got born again and, and Holy Spirit and Jesus, they were like, hey, let's make a secret place. Somebody had to talk about the secret place. And, and I didn't really know what that meant. You know, I thought it was like going out to the mountains and like hiding out there where nobody can ever find me. It sounded really fun, you know, and, uh, but I live in Northern Virginia, so the way that my schedule worked and the way that my bank account worked, I couldn't escape and do that, you know, I had to pay bills. And then I got married and I definitely couldn't go, you know, she said, where are you going? You're going to go spend time with Lord in the mountain? You have a room right there. Go and spend time with him. So I decided to, to ask Jesus, I'm like, hey, like, how do, we, how do we come to this secret place? And he's like, close your eyes. And so I closed my eyes and he's like, we're going to use something that the world calls your imagination, and I was like, yeah, 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 that's all like fake and stuff. And he's like, no, 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 no. The world says it's fake, so you believe it's fake. But if you invite me into your imagination with me, it's a place that nobody else can enter. It's a place that the enemy can't enter, work, the work can't enter, the world can't enter. It's just you and Jesus. And I thought it was going to be this really like, you know, I thought I was going to be in a castle or a mansion or something cool. And, and in my secret place, is, it's really cool about the secret place because I can share it with you guys, but you guys can't go there. And, uh, and, I'm, and I'm sitting in the secret place and, and then I thought it was going to be this magnificent thing. And instead it was a little hallway and it was all white. And it was just Jesus and I face to face. And it was so tight that like my feet, I don't know if you guys ever done a leg press before. We do leg presses at the gym, my coach and I. But like, I couldn't even like move my feet in my imagination. I was like this. And then Jesus was there too. And, and all we did, I was like, what's the point of this? And he's like, so you can see me face to face and we can have genuine conversations. We can have an honest conversation about where you are and how you feel with no judgment, with no logic, with no understanding. It's just your heart and my heart. And it was really cool because the more time you spend in the secret place and we've been talking about meditation and being still and sinking and being weak. <laughs> but when you're in that place with Jesus, 
You, and you, you give him control in that secret place. You allow him to expand it into a world that you've never seen before. And then it starts to grow and then it turns into some place where you're able to come and lay your fear and your anxiety down. Are you guys with me? Man, how many of you guys have a secret place? Raise your hand. Okay, good job. That's awesome. How many of you guys created a secret place tonight? Okay, yeah, yeah, I like that. Two of us, three of us. Good, good, good. The cool thing is the secret place never goes away. If you have your mind, you have your imagination, you can access there anytime. So the whole point of us teaching you guys about meditation isn't so you can just be like all these other religions and close your eyes and hum a tune. It's so you can sit and come face to face with a God that loves you. Can I get an amen? amen? Yay. And so I always love to start my teachings with my testimony because it, it just moves me to this place of like, uh, we call it an open door or, or it just brings me back to my first love. And, uh, but I actually want to start with other people's testimony. And, and one of the guys, his name is Peter. I don't know if you ever read your Bible and you heard about a guy named Peter. If you have, raise your hand. Yay, good job. Nice. He's still in there. He doesn't go away just because you don't open your Bible. And, um, and it's really cool because I, I relate to Peter a lot because God chose me when I was at the lowest point of my life, not when I was this guy that was able to like read the Bible, understand the Greek and the Hebrew and all that fun stuff, or even speak English, you know? So I love it because I was reading a little bit about the history of Peter and, 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 and Peter, oh my gosh, man, you know, like all the stories I ever heard about Peter is how he denied Jesus and how, you know, but then, but then being able to see him as just a man, who, who had a career, who had a business. He was a fisherman. How many of you guys have jobs? How many of you guys have a career? You know, you guys are just like Peter. How many of you guys have been lost before? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> okay, we raise our hand. Okay, yeah, we're in good company. Go ahead, Bebe. You're found now. I love you. <laughs> um, but yeah, but, but Peter was lost, you know, and he's trying to make ends meet by being on his boat. And, and then next thing, bless you. And then next thing you know, this guy, shows up and his name is Jesus. And the cool thing about Jesus is that God had a plan all the way from the beginning when Adam and Eve made the first mistake and, and fell. And, and, and God was like, don't worry about it. I have the bigger picture. We were talking about it in so chats and it's, I have the bigger picture. I'm going to bring this guy named Jesus and you're going to get to encounter him today on a Wednesday, June 1st and create a secret place. But before you were able to encounter him here, he actually walked the earth and he met Peter and I really enjoy Peter because Peter actually walked with this Jesus that we meet in our secret place. He actually probably bled. I'm sure he got blisters on his feet from walking miles with Jesus when he decided to give up everything in his life that felt comfortable, that, that felt right. He gave it all up to follow Jesus. And this is the part that I love. He didn't even, Jesus wasn't like, come with me. He said, come with me and I'll make you a fisherman of men. A fisher of men is what he said. And I love it because I feel a lot of times, specifically with me, you don't have to raise your hand, but with me, I feel like there's times when I do not move because I didn't get the full picture. But there's something that happens when we're able to just get a mustard seed from Jesus, when we're able to get a thought from Jesus, when Jesus is like, do this one step, do this one thing that kind of makes sense, but it doesn't, that then the, the, the rest of your life starts to unfold with him. Are you guys with me? Yeah. Am I boring you? No. Okay, yeah, good. And, and I love that because there's so many times when I feel like we don't move as people, as believers, because we don't have the full picture. When it's not our job to have the full picture, it's actually the job of Jesus. It's actually the job of God. And he wants us to be a part of the big picture that he has. And it starts with the simple obedience, 
the simple mustard seeds of drop your nets and follow me. And I'm not saying it's easy. That meant that that was all of Peter's livelihood. Again, he was a fisherman. He had a whole business. And, uh, and it's really interesting as I was reading the, some back history about Peter, it's so funny. It makes me laugh. Theologians don't argue back and forth whether Peter actually wrote it or Paul wrote it because the way that first Peter and second Peter were written was, it was too, too fancy, too scholarship. It was too, they used too many fancy words in it. So they're like, oh no, Peter's an idiot because he was a fisherman. And it blows my mind because the first, in first Peter one, it says, I, Peter, am an apostle. <laughs> And, and it blows my mind. They literally thought as the, as the writing that it was Paul who was writing it all. And, and they were like, of course it's Paul because he actually went to school. <laughs> he actually learned everything. He was actually a scholar. He knew the ins and out of the Hebrew writing. He was a Pharisee above Pharisees where Peter was just a fisherman. Just living his life the best he could. And then he decided to give it all up to follow Jesus. And somehow he can articulate words that I have trouble pronouncing. Are you guys with me? Anybody ever feel like a Peter? Come on. So before I start reading his word, I want you to know that Peter was a man that walked with Jesus, flesh and blood, just how we got a chance to worship together, flesh and blood. Are you with me? So I, I, it was so beautiful reading. Oh, man. And, and so I just, I just want to give you this one thing that really moved my heart. And it was, they, they gave a calendar in the, in the study, these different study Bibles that I was reading. And in the calendar, it was the same year that Peter denied Jesus in front of everybody. Anybody ever feel guilty because they're like, I didn't mean to say that to God. Like the middle finger thing that I just, you know, like, I was like, oh God, I didn't mean to mean that. You know, and it's like, well, I got to sit down. I can't teach anymore. Where it's like, Jesus is like, <laughs> Peter, Peter literally was like, I don't even know this dude. Who he literally bled, sweated, starved, ate, laughed probably told jokes, you know? And, and, and then he, he, he tells everybody, I do not know this man. And that same year that he did that, when Jesus was, and then he had to see his friend die on the cross. It was so funny because Evangeline and I right now, uh, this bird flew into the, to the window, right? Where you guys were eating your cake. It must've been good, right? Um, eating your cake, celebrating Pastor Kathy's birthday. And happy birthday. Everybody say happy birthday. Again, okay, so as you guys were eating your cake, this bird hit this thing over here and he's gone, he's dead. And, and I, I wanted to tell you that I tried to resurrect him because I have that kind of faith, but I didn't. I was just shoveling him up and I threw him, okay? And then I sang, it's the circle of life. <laughs> so I can feel a little bit better. And it, it's so interesting how like, I was going somewhere. It was a good point. What was I going with this bird? Oh, I just, it was the same year. Wait, it was the same year, what, Pastor? I would say the same year? Okay. Ah, oh, there was something I was going to say. I can't remember. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, thank you, PC. I love you. So, I was so sad because I'm like having this bird, you know, and I have to scoop him up and like he won't go in all the way. I know I'm bringing you into the story because sometimes it's good to share your fears and get with people and your anxiety, you know. So, like I have this bird and he won't get in the scooper. So, I have to scrape him even more and there's blood. It's really graphic. So, I grab him. I know. And then I thought nobody was watching me except Mangeline. And then somebody in a really nice Range Rover rolled down their windows and they're like, we didn't see anything. And I yell and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I was like kind of traumatized. I was like, I got to get, I got to get not baptized I got maybe I do got to get baptized I got to get re-sozoed by Pastor Babette and 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 so like I'm traumatized watching this bird imagine Peter watching Jesus get crucified after he denied him go ooh, ooh, yay and he watched his best friend die 
But then he was able to go to this tomb where his best friend was laid and find out that it was actually rolled away and he was back to life. It was interesting because the woman's the women's the, the woman found him and I don't know, I just get so emotional. Like I I just I literally go there and I put myself in Peter's shoes and and I'm like, I can't imagine like denying Jesus, watching him die, and then somebody coming and telling me that he's no longer in there. And 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 I want to tell you that I would have faith to be like, I know he was raised from the dead. I understood all the scriptures that he was saying and all the things he was telling to me, telling me. But I feel like my heart would be like, I can't believe somebody robbed him, like somebody stole his body. But then like this encounter happened with these angels and the angels are like, why do you look for the living amongst the dead? And it's to find out that Jesus is actually alive and, and be in, in conflict of like, is he really alive or does somebody steal his body? Because how many of you guys ever have an encounter with Jesus and then start questioning everything when you leave? Don't raise your hand. But you know why? It's because what were you meditating on afterwards? What was revolving around your mind after you left? And then I love it. Romans 8. <laughs> There is no condemnation for those that belong to Christ Jesus and are called according to his purpose. So there's no condemnation. And I can tell you why, because even though Peter was going through all these emotions and saw his best friend die, have conflict whether he came back to life or not, he was out there doing, going back to what he was used to doing, which was being a fisherman. How many of you guys sometimes have a great encounter with God and then you go back to the things that you used to do and then feel really bad about it? Don't raise your hand. And it was great. I love it because the, the Bible is really good about explaining that, that Peter was actually naked as he was pulling in his fish or trying to fish and he couldn't find anything all night. And I just want to know how many people have actually gone back to their life, tried to get something again and found absolutely nothing. So you felt even worse. And, and he's there, he's trying to pull his net. And then off in the shore, he sees his best friend whom he denied, whom he's in conflict, whether is he alive or is he dead? But he said one thing to him. He gave him this one mustard seed. He said, throw your, cast your nets to the other side. And that's such a beautiful thing because that was the first mustard seed that Jesus spoke to Peter the first time that he met him. Are you guys with me? So I think right now, I just want to know, what is the, what is the one anchor? What is the mustard seed that Jesus is telling you that, that, that your first love just holds onto? That's like, there you are. There he is. For me, it's sometimes he's like, I, I'm like, God, what do you want to tell me? And he's like, I just want to tell you that I love you. And, and then I'm not going to lie with you. There's times when I'm like, that's not enough. Like, can you give me revelation? Give me power. Let me raise the bird, you know? But there's something that happens when I finally get a chance to be like, you know what, God, I'm going to let you love me. And I think most of the time we're like, nah, that's not God. That was my thoughts. But what if it's God? You know, what if he is out there on the shore waiting for you with fish and, and breakfast? An invitation, say invitation. And I love this because he, did, he wasn't even sure. I'm sure he was far away, but you know, they don't have computer screens. So I'm sure his vision was like 2020, which is like perfect vision, you know? And, and I'm sure he's like, I think that's Jesus. And he jumped, he didn't even put his clothes on. It literally said that he jumped in there naked and went straight to Jesus. And, and it's important, this, this part of, of being naked, because to me, when I read that, I think about being vulnerable. And you know what the definition of vulnerable is? Say what? It means to be open to getting hurt. But when you meet with Jesus, he actually took all the pain with him. So when you meet with him, you only get edified. You only get encouraged. You only get redeemed. Say redeemed. 
And that's exactly what happened as he was in this secret place with Jesus eating, eating fish. <laughs> Jesus looked at him and he said it three times. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? And he said three times, he was like, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. And he was like, I love you, Lord. <laughs> and then the second time he said, Peter, do you love me? And he said, I do, Lord. And he was like, feed my sheep. But the third time that Jesus told him, Peter, do you love me? He started to cry. And I, I think my question for you is, how many times did Jesus ask you the same thing over and over again, but we stop after the first or second time because we feel like it's a waste of time or because it's uncomfortable or because we're vulnerable? And, and the reason I'm bringing that is because when we meditate, when we sit still, when we sync with Jesus, when we read the scriptures, it's this beautiful moment of like, if we can just sit there long enough for Jesus to speak, to redeem us, to love us, to, to connect with us, because that's what the father wants to do. He wants to connect with us. When we allow him to do that, our lives are just changed forever. And it was beautiful because Peter's crying and he was redeemed. And it was beautiful because then that same year, the same year that he denied Jesus, Jesus redeemed him. And not only that, he was baptized with the Holy Spirit and then had a congregation of over 3,000 people. All in the same year. I think that's beautiful. Like most of us don't even want to like, <laughs> most of us run away from God in the first day. I'm guilty of that. You know, it's like, God, I did this. And then he's like trying to redeem me. And I'm like, no, I'm running away. I'm running away. And he's like, well, too bad. I'm still here because I live inside of you. So anyways, are you guys still with me? I just want to give you a little bit of history behind Peter. So we're going to read 1 Peter. It's in the message. They're going to put the new King James. Um, it's a little bit long, but I think we're going to be okay because it's scripture and it's good for your souls. Are you guys okay with that? All right, here we go. So I, Peter, am an apostle on assignment by Jesus, the Messiah, writing to exiles scattered to the four winds. Not one is missing. Say, I'm not missing. Not one forgotten. Say, I'm not forgotten. Come on, God the Father has his eye on each of you and has determined by the work of the Spirit to keep you obedient through the sacrifice of Jesus. May everything good from God be yours. What a God we have. Say, what a God I have. Come on, be happy about it. What a God I have. Yeah, and how fortunate we are to have him. This father of our master Jesus, because Jesus was raised from the dead. Remember Peter. Remember Peter and his history as a man. Come on, because Jesus was raised from the dead. We've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including the future in heaven and the future starts now. Say heaven starts now. Come on, two of us believe that. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all, life healed and whole. I know how great this makes you feel, even though you have to put up with every kind of aggravation in the meantime. Anybody fight aggravation? Don't raise your hand. Pure gold put in the fire comes out of it. Proved pure, genuine faith. Put through the suffering comes out proven, proved genuine. When Jesus wraps this all up, it's your faith, not your gold that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. And there's a beautiful thing about faith because there's a difference between belief and faith. Belief is you from you, yourself as a person. But faith is when you actually go and get a word from God. Are you guys with me? Okay, when Jesus wraps this all up, it's your faith, not your gold that God will have on display as evidence of this victory. You never saw him, yet you love him. You still don't see him, yet you trust him with laughter and singing because you kept on believing you'll get what you're looking for. Total salvation. The prophets who told us this was coming asked a lot of questions about this gift of life God was preparing. The Messiah's spirit let them in on some of it that the Messiah would experience suffering followed by glory. They clamored to know who and when, 
All they were told was that they were serving you. You who by orders from heaven have now heard for yourself through the Holy Spirit, the message of those prophecies fulfilled. Do you realize how fortunate you are? Angels would have given anything to be on this. 13 through 16. So roll up your sleeves, get your head in the game. Say, get my head in the game. Be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. And I don't know, I think you got a lot of you guys connected with Jesus tonight. So what gift did he give you? Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil, doing what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better, you do now. As obedient children, let yourself be pulled in a way of life shaped by God's life. A life energetic and blazing with holiness. God said, I am holy, you be holy. And holy means to be blameless. So you're not blameless because you did such a great job. You're blameless because God made you blameless. Can I get an amen? It's not on you. So right now, close your eyes. Take that weight off of you. All the weight that you've been carrying, trying to make yourself blameless, trying to move forward in life by yourself. We're going to get rid of that and we're going to put it on Jesus. Yeah, and we're going to get there because it says that he paid a high price for you to be able to do that. Come on, so right now, just take a second. Just take a second. Close your eyes. If you're, if you're driving and you're listening on Spotify, don't, don't close your eyes, but, but put that weight on the passenger seat. Just put it right there, whatever the weight is. And say, I am holy. Come on, and God said that too. You call out to God for help and he helps. Say, God help. Okay, he's a good father that way, but don't forget, he is also a responsible father and won't let you get by with sloppy living. Okay, God, your life is a journey. You must travel with a deep consciousness of God. So that meditation piece, that piece where we sit still, where we go to our secret place, where we connect with God, we can do with our eyes open, eyes still practicing with my eyes closed. That moment right there is where we're, our, our complete focus is on God. Our conscious thinking is on God. You know what else that's called? It's called remembering. Literally in, in the Old Testament in Genesis, it said that when God made a covenant with Abraham, uh, with, with Noah, bless you. It said that, well, covenant, first of all, how many of you guys know what covenant is? Because I just found out what covenant was, I think this morning or last night. But covenant is when two parties become one and you don't know when the first party starts or when the second party ends. You're just one entity. So when you have a covenant with God, when you allow Jesus to come and live inside of you, when you allow him to do that, it is no longer I who live, but God who lives in me. That means you have a covenant with God. That means that no matter what you do, you cannot break that covenant. Isn't that good news? Can I get a hallelujah? Man, it just makes me so happy, man. So with Noah, it said that when he made a covenant with God, God was able to give him, I call it a download. He was able to give him information about making an ark, say an ark. And it's really great because the Hebrew word for ark, it, the, the actual thing for it is something or a sanctuary <laughs> that holds you and protects you. Isn't that beautiful? Man, so when you're with God and you're in his hands, when you meditate with him, when you have intimacy with him, when you actually spend time and have conscious thinking with him, when you remember him, you get to go into his sanctuary where no matter what's going on around you, or, or you're in the sanctuary of peace that surpasses all understanding. This is where Proverbs 3, 5 becomes so real. Trust God with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. You get to be in this ark with Jesus. And so God had a covenant with with Noah in Genesis 6. And he gave him an ark or or actually the information for an ark. And it's funny because theologians are like, how did he know how to make a boat? He was never near any body of water. 
How did he know what a boat looked like? Isn't that interesting? And they actually said he built the boat wrong because they had no sail. Isn't that awesome? And I love it because there's so many times where we're like, oh, we did this wrong. It didn't look the way I thought it was supposed to look. Where God's like, you don't need a sail. I'm the one that's going to move this. I'm the one that's going to open the door and close the door. I'm the one that's going to protect you. All you have to do is just sit in the midst of chaos with me in this secret place, in this place of intimacy, in this place of meditation, in this conscious living. And, and as the world was flooding, it said, it said that God remembered Noah. And it moves my heart because I'm like, God doesn't forget. So what does that word actually mean? And it means to bring to the forward part of your brain, to put right in front of you, to focus everything. I don't know. That sounds to me like first Peter at the top where it says, not one missing, not one forgotten. God, the father has his eye on each of you. Isn't that beautiful? And so when you remember, when you remember you're actually, when, when you're having conscious thinking, you're, you're, you're actually stepping into this covenant. You're stepping into this sanctuary. You're stepping into this place where you bring God to the forefront of your brain. And it's, I don't know about you, but I can, I'm a man, so I can only focus on one thing at a time. Yeah, on, All right, if I'm washing dishes, I'm washing dishes, okay? Like, that's what I'm doing. I'm not feeding the dog. I can't do it, okay? I tried really hard. Um, <laughs> but I'm there, I'm focused, you know? So I think about God and I'm like, man, like, he's just focused on me the whole time. So anyways, so with conscious thinking, it's like, your life is a journey. You must travel with the deep consciousness of God. It costs God plenty to get you out of that dead and empty-headed life you grew up in. He paid with Christ's sacred blood, you know. He died like an unblemished sacrificial lamb. And this was no afterthought, even though it has only lately at the end of the ages become public, public knowledge. You know why he said that? Because he was there when he saw his best friend die. God always knew he was going to do this for you. Say, God did it for me. If he did it for me, he'll do it for someone else. Say that. Come on. It's because of this sacrifice, Messiah, whom God then raised from the dead and glorified, that you trust God, that you know you have a future in God. Say, I have a future. Oh, come on. I think only Pastor Kathy believed that. I mean, say, say, I have a future. Come on, make that declaration. I have a future. My gosh. Gosh. Now that you cleaned up your lives by following the truth, I love what Pastor Babette said. We were in so chat. She's like, I don't like that verse. <laughs> it says, now that you've cleaned up your lives by following the truth, God cleaned you up. God made you blameless. But it was in this pursuit, in this, in, this, in this place where you keep bringing God to the forefront of your mind. Just how God brought Noah to the forefront of his mind and rescued him and saved him, stopped the flood, brought him into this world, opened up the doors, and then the world was blessed again. What are you bringing to the forefront of your mind? Because only one thing could be there. That's the point of the dish. I can only focus on one thing at a time. Am I focusing on death or am I focusing on life? Yes. Now that you've cleaned up your lives by following the truth, love one another as your lives depend on it. That's a self-evaluation for yourself. Are you loving one another as your lives depend on it? It's really funny because you can't love other people if you don't love yourself. That's why I think the whole commandments and everything that happened in the Old Testament was resolved by two easy commandments that Jesus gave. Love, the, love God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. Can I just be real with you? I think, uh, can I be real with you? Okay, I think most of the time when we're like, I can't connect with this person or I can't do with this person, I mean, have you truly let God love you? Have you actually tapped into that perfect love of God that cast away all fear? It's just a question. It's just a question. 
Don't talk to me about it. Talk to Jesus about it. <laughs> Meditate with him. Remember him. Everybody okay? Still no middle finger, right? You're not. You're index finger? Okay, good. All right, here we go. Here we go. Now, um, your new life is not like your old life. Say amen. amen. Oh, my God. Amen. amen. That is hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what, Matt? Get up there. Start singing. We got to praise again. Your new life is not like your old life. You know whose idea that was? It was God's idea, not yours. Because if it was my idea, I would probably commit suicide again or try to. I said I wasn't going to say that. Oh, your new life is not like your old life. Your old birth came from mortal sperm. Your new birth comes from God's living word. Just close your eyes, close your eyes, bow your head. Nobody's going to see. I might peek a little bit. How many of you guys actually opened up the living word today? Okay, good stuff. Yay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in good company. Good job, guys. If you did it, this isn't a condemnation. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to be like, what's in the scripture? And I have, I have a little bit of time to tell you what I found. Your new birth comes from God's living word. Just think, a life convinced by God himself. That's why the prophet said, the old life is a grass life. It's beauty as short-lived as wildflowers. Grass dries up, flowers wilt. God's word goes on and on forever. Yo, is that prophetic or what? Love never fails and never gives up, never moves on. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. This is the word that conceived the new life in you. Can I get an amen? amen? And I feel good reading about Peter after I learned all his history. In the same year that he denied Jesus, Jesus redeemed him. And then Jesus was like, good job, good and faithful servant. You did nothing right. It was because you encountered me. It's because you decided to be vulnerable, jump in that water, come to me, eat, sit down with me in this secret place where I made fish for you. You guys aren't with, oh, come on. To me, it's just so good. It gets, it gets rid of like, like this self-effort that the world is like, you need to perform, you need to perform. No excuses, you need to perform. Where God's like, if you could just spend time with me, I just want to love you. But then we're like, oh, God, I don't feel like I'm deserving of your love. Well, that's why he paid an ultimate price so you can get a new thought that he loves you. And let me tell you somewhere where he started and it was in Exodus. I, I, Jesus was like, hey, like, let's read something together. And I was like, uh, uh, what do you want me to read? You know, and he was like, well, first, can I love you? And I was like, sure. I was like, but I really need revelation because I got to teach on Wednesday. And he was like, you don't need that. You need me to love you. And I was like, all right, let's do it. So I sat outside in these really nice chairs that, that my great grand, uh, my great aunt gave us money for. And she was like, hey, buy whatever you want. And my wife was like, that's what I want. And then ended up coming with a crack. And I was like, man, that makes me so sad. And then we ended up calling the company. We're like, it has to crack. They're like, you know what? Keep your money. It's free. Isn't that great? Man, how many times do we throw away a good seed from God? Because we're like, that don't sound right. That hurt a little bit. Okay. And instead, you know, we use the money to buy some plates. And now we have this whole Italian thing going on. I love it. It's really good. Anyway, so I was sitting out there with God <laughs> on this free table that I have with him. I did have to build it though. Okay, we'll get there another time. You know, we're like, God, if I have to build, if I have to do a little bit of work, then it's not you. Okay, never mind. We're not. Anyways, so, so I'm sitting out there in this beautiful free table. I'm sitting out there with Jesus and, and he was like, let's read Exodus, Exodus. Let's read the story of Moses. And I'm like, I don't need to read that. I already watched the movie. And, uh, <laughs> and he told me, he was like, the movie missed some stuff. And then uh, immediately he, he reminded me of a, of, a, of a word he gave me and it was pretend you know nothing so you can know everything. And it's you show up, you know what that means? Be humble. 
Be humble and learn something new with God. Be humble and encounter something that you feel you've mastered and already know. Because God is endless. His love goes on and on and on. So what word is he giving you right now? What is he telling you to be still with right now? What is the word that you're like, you've been saying the same thing for 10 years now. And God's like, I know there's more and more and more there. And so I opened up my Bible and read Exodus. <laughs> and I was sitting there and I started to read about Moses. And I was like, you know what, God, can I? Um, I love him as Marilyn said in so chat. She was like, genuine faith is when you're genuine with God when you're able to come to God and be honest with him. So I used my genuine faith, sat with God. And I was like, look, if we're going to read this, show me something new. And he was like, oh, I'll show you something new. And I was like, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That's my dad right there. All right. Are you guys ready? Here we go. So we're going to start at the beginning. Exodus chapter one. And this is in the new King James. Love you guys. Here we go. Now, these are the names of the children of Israel who came to Egypt. Each man in his household came with Jacob. I'm going to read the names because they're really important. How many of you guys always just go past the names and don't read it? Don't raise your hand. Sometimes I'm like, man, this is boring. Reuben, Samaria, Levi, or you don't pronounce them right, and Judea or Judah, Asakar, Zebulun, and Benjamin. You can laugh. It's okay. Dan, Naphtali. You know what? I'm going to pray in tongues. Okay, we're in chapter, verse 5. All those who were descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Okay, that's very important. So the reason we read the names, because it was reminding us of the covenant, say covenant, that God had made with Abraham a long time ago. It came from one man that couldn't even have babies. Pastor Gannon has been preaching about it over and over again about Abraham and faith. Now his descendants are over 70 people. But right now they're just counting the, the, the names of the main guys in those tribes. So that means that they probably have a bunch of, kids and children and grandchildren underneath of them. But it's 70 families total. How many of you guys know when God gives you a word, it doesn't go away? God's not that weak. Hallelujah. All those who were descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. For Joseph was in Egypt already. And Joseph died, all his brothers and all that generation. But the children of Israel say, but... The children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly. And that's so beautiful because when God gives you a word, he just doesn't give you the bare necessities. He goes all get over and beyond, over and beyond. I love that. It just makes me feel really good about life. I love this. And increased abundantly, multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty. Man, so many words. And the land was filled with them. I just want to know what your land is filled with. What is your home filled with? What is your heart filled with? What is your mind filled with? Quick, do a self-inventory right now. Verse eight, now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. How many times do we, how many of you guys sometimes forget what God had just said maybe a week ago or a year ago? Don't raise your hand, that's okay. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph and he said to his people, look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we are. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply and it happen in the event of war, that they also join our enemies and fight against us and so go up out of the land. Before we keep going, the new king that's there was actually a foreign king that came and all he knew was war. His whole history was war. So when he looked at a situation, when he looked at people, when he looked at that, his perspective was always war, 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 war. 
And it moved my heart because I was like, man, am I, am I thinking like a pharaoh who, who's moved by their history? Or, or, am, I, or am I being moved like Israel by, by, the, by the, the, the people who have a covenant with God? And I get his perspective rather than my earthly perspective. Are you guys with me? So when you meditate, are you meditating with your history or are you meditating with God's history? Verse 11, therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens and they built for Pharaoh supply cities. Verse 12, but the more they afflicted them, come on, the more they multiplied and grew. Woo, I love that because God's covenant doesn't stop just because you're going through something hard. Or because the city that you're in is, is, is believing something different than you are. To me, it's like, what, what are you doing with God? What is God telling you to do? Is God the one that's giving you a mustard seed to go and be like, you know what? I'm going to step in. Rather than complaining, God told me to give me this. I'm going to go and do this. I'm going to meditate with God and be like, God, what do you want me to do? For me, there were moments in life where I was like, I want to control everything. I, I just want everybody to love each other. And God was like, look, bud, like if you try to do that, you're going to carry the weight of the world and you're going to burn out. It was like, so now what I want you to do is I don't want you to worry about the whole world. I want you to worry about the people or I want you to focus or be conscious of the people that come to you and step into your world. So if, you, if I hugged you today, you were part of my world. You're a part of me and God. I can influence you right there, you and God. Okay, I don't know. It just made me feel really good. But the more they afflicted them and the more they multiplied and grew and they were in dread. That's, that's the Pharaoh was in fear of the children of Israel. Come on. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar and brick and in all manner of service in the field, all their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. Then the king of Egypt, spoke to the Hebrew midwives, say midwives. I really love this word midwives because midwives, guess what it is? They're deliverers. How many of you guys have a deliverer in your life? Maybe his name is Jesus and he delivers you from things. He saves you from things. He rescues you from things. That's what a deliverer is. A person that brings you into life. When you meditate, when you spend time with Jesus, when you bring him to the forefront of your mind, regardless of your history, and you step into God's history, you get delivered, you get rescued. Of whom, so the midwives, Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of the one was Sifra and the name of the other Pa. And it's really important that they actually name the woman because they actually don't even name Moses' mom. So it was really interesting, like God really honored them. And he said, when you do the duties of the midwife for the Hebrew woman and see them on a birth stool, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then you shall live. But the midwife, say the midwives, feared God. I looked up that word fear, it's to worship with such intensity. That's what that word fear meant. I always thought it was, oh my gosh, God's gonna beat me. No, it's this place where you come and you worship God with all your guts that you see his holiness and you can't stand and you fall to your knees and you're like, you are the God that loves me. So the midwives, the deliverers worshiped God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded, but saved the male children alive. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, 
Have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? And the midwife said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. Say, oh my gosh, we are not like the world. Say, I'm not like the world. Oh, come on now. Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. Because of all that, God dealt with the midwives. God dealt with them, not Pharaoh. Oh, that's beautiful. God, oh my, let me tell you what, when God deals with you, let me tell you what he does. God dealt with the midwives and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. So it's not just about you and your comfort. It's about you and the people around you that are believers. It's about you and your household. When you worship God, when you meditate with God, when you have intimacy with God, when you bring him to the forefront of your mind, when nothing else matters but him, things multiply. Is it your history or his history? And so it was because the midwives worshiped God or feared God that he provided households for them. That's such a biggie. Women back in the day weren't allowed to have households. For, so, and then especially not servant women. So the fact that these servants, these midwives had houses, it had to be a miracle from God. How many of you guys need a miracle? Come on. Well, I'm almost done. Are you guys okay? All right, 22. So Pharaoh commanded all his people saying, every son who is born, you shall cast into the river and every daughter you shall save alive. Before we keep going, the the importance of the river is this. The Nile River was a way of life to these people in Egypt. This is where they came, where they would get water to drink, where they would do laundry, where they would bathe. They would actually create these little, uh, I don't know if how many of you guys have gardens or have worked on gardens, but they created these trails in their gardens where their livestock were. And then they couldn't predict when the Nile River would, I mean, they knew when the Nile River would expand and the water would come in, but they couldn't predict if it was going to be too much and destroy everything or if it wasn't going to be enough and leave everything dry. And as I was reading this, it just moved my heart because I'm like, man, that's life. We can't predict life. We know there's a Monday through Sunday, but we can't predict what's going to happen every day. And, 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 I, and I thought about these women who, who lost their babies in life. Who, who the world, the, the Pharaoh, the king that only knew war, grabbed their kids and killed them in this river, killed them in life. They had no control there. And now they have to show up to the same place, this river of life, this life, this river, and still do life. I can't imagine the fear. I can't imagine the anxiety. I can't imagine re- reliving their history. Don't, don't raise your hand, but how many of you guys relive your history every day and you're waiting for a deliverer to come and rescue you? And that's where I was just imagining these women like losing their kids, but still having to come. But this is the part that I love right here. Chapter, uh, ber- chapter two. And a man of the house of Levi, and, and Levi was a tribe known for being priests, went and took as a wife a daughter of Levi. The woman conceived and bore a son, and the guy was Moses, but he hasn't named him yet. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, say, I'm a beautiful child. Come on, I think Pastor Kevin and I are the only ones that believe that. She hid him three months, but when she could no longer hide him, she took, remember we were talking about Noah, she took an ark, say ark, of bulrushes for him, dabbed it with asphalt and pitched, put the child in it and laid it in the reeds by the river banks. And this part is the part that moves me. Why say ark? 
I'm sorry. Why did, why did they write Ark in here? <laughs> Big good job. I love you guys. Why did they say Ark? Why didn't they use the Egyptian name for canoe or for ship or for whatever it was that was going around in their culture? But instead they used Ark. The same Hebrew word that God gave Noah. So I think she knew the covenant that God had made with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Are you guys with me? She knew God's history. I'm, I don't know. I mean, that means she spent time hearing about God, maybe meditating with God. And, and this is the part that I love because when you lean into your understanding with man and you come to life, <laughs> it might not always be good. But this woman who, have, who heard the stories of these other women losing their child in this river of life decided to come even though she might have felt fear and anxiety of losing her baby, her beautiful baby. They said beautiful to indicate that she actually loved her baby. She wasn't throwing him away because he was ugly. She decided to come to this river that was known for its history of fear and anxiety and death. And she decided to remember her covenant with God and put baby Moses in that ark and put it on that river. And it moves me because that's the way we need to tackle life. Even though there could be fear, even though our history says otherwise, in the hands of God, in the hands of his sanctuary, in the hands of his peace, in the hands of, of, of something that surpasses all understanding. Can you imagine the woman going, are you crazy? Our kids died in there. There's hippos in there. If you haven't watched National you know, Discovery Channel, hippos are, they're, they're vicious. There's hippos in there. You know, you're going to put your baby in there. And I'm sure she was going and she was like, well, in the hands of God. And my God has, I have a covenant with God. And I'm going to put him on this river that took your child away. But I'm going to, I'm going to come here with the confidence of God. I'm going to have genuine faith. And I'm going to put him in there. And this is, this is the part that I'm going to end with. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark, say ark, among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews child. You know how she knew it was one of the Hebrews child because Egyptian kids didn't get circumcised until they were nine or 10 years old. So when she saw Moses, she actually saw God's covenant. So I wonder what happens when you guys show up in life with God's covenant and people see you and they have compassion. Um, in, the, in the worst study that I was reading, the, the, some, they believe in the history that the, the princess actually had uh, leprosy. And that's why she was bathing in the river because they actually had, in the, in the royal castles, they had their own bathing systems. But she came to the river to hide her condition. And when she actually came there and she picked up baby Moses, she was healed. I don't know if that's real or not, but it was really cool reading that, you know? I'm like, man, like you and God's covenant, like he's a baby. He can't even form words. So it's not all the way isn't on you, it's on God. 
And when she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew woman that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the maiden went, this is really good. I'm ending with this and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me. And I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. Moses' mom got her baby bag. Oh my, and they got paid for it. How many of you guys are like, the devil stole this from me and then you sit there and meditate on that rather than meditating on what God has in his covenant and having the enemy pay for it. And this is the part that I love. She then named the baby Moses. The, the, the princess did. And Mo is for son and child or the root word for it. But Moses actually means he who draws out or he who delivers. And I'm ending with this right here. When you meditate with God, when you remember his covenant, when it comes to your forefront, he actually tells you your purpose. He tells you your identity and he calls you that. Because if you read ahead or if you watch the movie, what does Moses do? He delivered the people. Close your eyes. Thank you guys for your time. And right now, Holy Spirit, we just thank you that we get a chance to encounter you, that we're gonna, we're gonna, be, we're gonna place ourselves in your hand, in your ark, in your sanctuary of peace. Regardless of fear and anxiety, we're gonna go there. And we're gonna ask you for a mustard seed. We're gonna ask you for a word. And the first word is, God, prepare my heart for you. Prepare my heart for your word. Help my unbelief. Help me believe. Even though my history is telling me this, help me believe. And let him speak a word to you, a name, an identity. Because out of your identities, you'll create systems, and out of your systems, you'll create habits. So what is he replacing? All right, stay right here. But the cool thing is this. You don't have to be in church to hear God's voice, to be in his hand, to meditate with him. It's a little easier because we're all here. The frequency is the same. The atmosphere is the same. But you could do it in your car. You could do it when you're home. You could do it in the midst of your fear and anxiety. When you come to your Nile River, you're still able to connect with God. And if you remember what he's done for you, what he's done for Moses, what he's done for what he's done for Peter. If he did it for them, they'll do it for you. So Jesus, we just seal this in their heart. I thank you that you get to speak to them. Your words are more important than mine. Your love is more important than mine. Your word, your time with them is more important than mine. So we just love you. Bless them. Thank you for their hearts.
And if you're awake, <laughs> say amen. amen. I love you guys. <laughs>